Reality is that your life is a collection of systems. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have a brand new episode here with the one and only Sam Carpenter. And before I make a quick introduction, I just want to say a big thank you to all the listeners as we've just recently launched this podcast and we're already hitting top charts in the United Kingdom, Canada, Malaysia, as well as the United States. So thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. It encourages us to bring us more amazing guests, commercial free, that really focuses on giving you systems, tools, ways of thinking that'll make you be high performance and extraordinary within the workplace. And so with that, it would not be a complete series without bringing the one and only who has written the book called Work the System, the simple mechanics of making more while working less. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite ideas to share for people that are in the workplace because many people feel that systems will replace jobs and replace your job and make you redundant and not useful within the company. And what I really hope that we're gonna get you to understand by the end of this interview is how you can actually apply systems working, not only to automate your work and make your life better, but you'll see that it'll put you on a path to be a better leader, to grow more within the organization and make a greater impact. And the one to teach us this, Sam Carpenter, has written this book and has been the CEO, founder, and president of Centratel, has created foundations such as the Kashmir Family Aid, a nonprofit that aids earthquake victims, families across countries such as Pakistan, and India, and he works as a work the system consultant, setting up people on how they can grow their small businesses. And Mind Valley itself has been an advocate for using ideas from work the system to allow us to grow and scale at the massive rate that we have. And it's all thanks to the one and only Sam Carpenter, who's here with us. Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. Wow, thanks, Jason. Great introduction. I appreciate that. Well, you've done some fantastic things and it's helped us a lot. And I know for people listening, this is going to be one of the most mind expanding exercises to do if they haven't ever applied these ideas from systems thinking. And I really wanted to get to your background as to how did you get to a point that you started becoming an author and really sharing these ideas from work the system? Well, my life was a tragedy up till about 50 years of age, meaning I was working 100 hour work weeks no good personal relationships in the sense of friends and doing things out there. I was a single parent of two kids, and it was a tragedy of too much going on. Too many mistakes, too many omissions. We have a phrase called an omission of error. (laughs) There was a lot of omissions of error in my life, and I was running my little call center business, And I ran it for a decade and a half, 15 years, Jason, uh, 100 hours a week for that long. And I was single and I had two kids at home. It was a horrible thing. And I was about to lose my business. I talk about it in my book, Work the System, and we can talk about that later. But I was about to lose the business and I had an insight literally late one night. And I realized that my business was a collection of independent systems. This is not metaphysical. This is physical. This is the true nature of life is that our lives are composed of separate systems. And with that philosophy, and we can talk a little bit more about it, 
course. But with that philosophy, I went down to the office, did what I had to do to save the company because I was going to miss a payroll for my 12 people that worked for me at the time. I have about 60 now. And I was able to save the company and go from 100 hours a week to you and I talk just before we started recording. I work maybe an hour a month. And my income is probably 100 times more than it was back then. And it is probably 90 times more than I need. And I work an hour a month. And so this really works. And in my small consulting business, my partner, Josh Fonger, and I have helped almost a 1,000 businesses across the United States to straighten out and literally saved most of them working with the leadership and the managers within those businesses. So that's kind of the very nutshell of how I got to where I am now in my life. And that's really incredible. Like we're talking here 100 a week to one hour a month and really saving the business and taking it to a place that probably doesn't look anything like what it used to be. And so tell us, what was that magic that you applied? Like, how is it that the systems thinking really changed your behaviors? Well, systems thinking, and the book is called Work the System, and it's a little Robert Ringer-ish, if you know the author Robert Ringer wrote a book, Winning Through Intimidation, it catches people's attention. But Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Making More and Working Less, is about identifying your world as a collection of systems, not a big amorphous mass of confusion where I wish God would come down and help, or I wish the bank would lend me more money, or I wish I could find the right manager to straighten it out. Those are all the wrong way to go. What you have to do is better identify your reality. And the reality is, and for our listeners right now, is look around. And if you're in your house, what has the water coming out of the sink got to do with the electricity in the wall? Okay. What has your hand got to do with your foot? Yes, I know they're attached. The same with the water and the electricity are attached in your house, but they're separate. They're separate, separate, separate. If you fall off your bicycle and you break your leg, you're not going to be taken to a dermatologist, (laughs) okay? And that's because there are separate systems and separate things going on that are actually in a collection. And there is a way to separate the systems that are dysfunctional or add systems that will help or especially get rid of systems that are throwing you off. It might be a bad relationship, could be anything within the business. It could be anything. But if you can separate the systems of your world and actually go through your day seeing the separate systems for what they are, you can start to fix things. Because you know what? That's reality. Reality is that your life is a collection of systems. You and I are talking right now with the headset and everything on your end and my end, but it's got nothing to do really with the electronic systems I see behind you there, Jason. It has nothing to do with the lights and the water and so forth and the HVAC system where I am in Kentucky, where I am right now. But if you can't see those separate systems as separate entities, your life will continue to be an amorphous, confused mass of sights, sounds, and events that you can't get a handle on. It's real reality. It's what I call going one layer deeper into the true reality of life. And what we're saying here, if I understand this correctly, is instead of just looking at things like a giant cloud of confusion that you can't understand, you're saying that if I start identifying specific elements of what makes the whole, and I could apply this into the workplace, where it's like, if I am doing my work in a week. It's not just I'm working my week. I am specifically working on different things that can each be a system in of itself. 
Is that how I understand it? Perfect. That's perfect. And you start by looking around. Maybe you're driving in your car and you adjust the radio. You put your foot on the brake. You put gas in the fuel tank. You see other cars going by. As soon as you can see all those as separate and not just part of this big mass of life, hey, I'm living my life, man. No, that's wrong. But you're precisely correct. And I have a very quick meditation I can put people through to look at where they are right now. Any of your listeners, wherever they are, I don't care where they are or what they're doing, if they just mentally say, what are the separate systems in this room right now? It's very easy to do. And then you get yourself so that yeah, it becomes subconscious. I get that. But very consciously, you'll be able to walk through your house, walk outside your house, drive your car and say, what is that hydrant over there, that fire hydrant got to do with that tree that's growing over there? They are all separate. And most of us, 99.99% of us of people in the world go through their life in this amorphous mass of thinking it's all one thing. No, it's a collection it's an incredible collection. And then you go to this great mental place of what a miracle life is. What a miracle. As I look out my windows here in Kentucky, in rural Kentucky, I see the golf course. I see the trees. And it's a beautiful miracle. Every tree is different. Hickory trees, oak trees. I look out the window here and I see all these separate systems and it makes the world a very, very beautiful thing. And a person can learn a lot with that vision just simply sitting in their house to take to work because work is separate systems. There's the way you answer the phone. There's the way you handle a customer complaint. There's the way you put your payroll together. None of them are connected except that it is this business. So you identify the problem areas and you go after the biggest problematic system first. It may be you eliminate something or somebody altogether Sometimes the brother-in-law does need to leave. <laughs> you know, The brother-in-law of the owner of the company is a big problem. But also maybe there's a computer problem and you need to replace the computers or update the software. And you start with the very biggest problem in your business and you go down as a leader, as the manager of a department, you go down and you knock them off. Bam, bam, bam. And you go from the worst problem down to the least problem and pretty soon you're thinking clearly your work week slows down and especially you become calm and collected all right so i want to wrap this up and take it back to one element here because we in essence see that if i start looking at everything as independent systems now i can actually take a breath and see that okay i'm not just stepping into this chaos that i'm kind of reacting to day after day and I like the example that you say, like the way I answer the phone is a specific system, very applicable in somebody's work environment or the way that I deal with my emails is a specific system. And so what happens if I can accept this and be like, okay, I might be able to list down and understand that there's a ton of tasks that I do in the workplace that are each independent systems. But why do I still feel like each of these systems is a complete chaos? Like, I, I don't feel like I have any structure behind it. So how do I navigate that? Okay, the first thing you ask yourself is what is the biggest problem for me in my job? Let's say you're a manager, which you are <laughs> for Mind Valley. What is the biggest problem right now that I have? And maybe it is a person. Or maybe it's something over here, or maybe it's this or that. And remember, as I was talking before, now we're looking at systems as separate from each other. What is my biggest problem? So you identify that problem, you isolate it, and you say, I'm going to leave all the other problems where they are and where they've always been. I'm going to work on this one. How do I fix this problem? 
And there is a methodology to fixing a problem and to keep that particular system functioning smoothly, and that's boring but true documentation. You have to document things. You have to put things down on paper. Maybe it'll reside on a computer hard drive somewhere, but the act of putting it down step one, step two, step three for any particular system is mandatory, unless it's dirt simple. For instance, answering your phone. So, Jason, let's just say you manage six people who may answer the phone in your office on any given day. Six people. Why wouldn't you put them all together with you and have a little chat session? What's the best way to answer the phone? How do you answer it, Sean? How do you answer it, John? And why? Well, one answers, Mind Valley, how can I help you? This is Jane. Or, Welcome to Mind Valley might be somebody else. Well, put your heads together, get with your boss, and decide which is the best way to answer the phone and make sure everybody answers it that way. So you're not having a lousy experience over here leaving something out for a new caller and then another caller comes in and has a lousy experience because this happened and everything wasn't expressed perfectly. What if you had a perfect way to answer the phone that was applied perfectly 100% of the time? And you do that, it's just an illustration of a very, very simple system. And our answering the phone process has seven steps, actually. <laughs> it's on paper. And everybody answers it that way. And everybody within the workplace had something to do with putting that together. It's very important that the frontline people, whoever they are, get a good say in what happens. And maybe the boss will come and say, yeah, but we got to say this for this reason. And they say, yeah, we get that. Let's include that. And you actually might talk a couple of hours about it. You might have a couple of sessions. And then you get a document that says, this is how we answer the phone. We all agree. And let's remember, if anybody has an improvement, let us know right away. We'll make that improvement right now. So you change, you're instantly improving systems. None of them are static. They can all change. What if you did that with every process in your business? Software, people, hardware. What if you went through and you made every single process perfect? and applied that way perfectly 100% of the time. Wow. I'm telling you, when we started this process and I had a system that I picked out, I thought, that's an interesting theory. Let's give it a check out. It sounds good. And that's what we did. And within a month, I was down to 60 hours a week. And another couple of months, and this was years, 20 years ago. And then I was down to 40 hours a week. Now I'm down to one hour a month just because I like to do R&D. And my staff has been with me forever. I have people who have worked for me for 29 years. <laughs> and most of my staff has been with me forever because I pay real well. And they like the independence. And I am not a micromanager. Although when I'm building a machine, building a system, we call it a machine or a mechanism, I am all over it, and the leader should always be heavily involved in building the system, and then you let your people take it and be themselves, because the best thing you can do is get the hell out of the way once your systems are working and let your people go 100%. Otherwise, you lose your people, and you have to pay them well and all that stuff. Sam, you paint a picture that sounds really good. And the fact is, as we were talking even before, this is like, I am someone who's very much of a systems thinker, but I have to make a confession. As much as I'm a systems thinker, I love designing systems. I'm probably the worst one for following my own system. And I always feel like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna get it done right now. And like every time I'm seeing these little tasks, I almost have the urge of like, oh, I'm just gonna fix it. And 
I don't always fully process the system that even I have designed. Is this like, as I'm striving for this perfection, like, is this a typical journey or am I just having some issues personally here? You're having some issues personally here. (laughs) Well, let me ask a question here, Jason. When you don't follow steps one through seven, you just want to get it done. Is that an indication that you should look at that documented system and rework it? How come you don't want to do it that way if that is the best way? I'm not convinced that whatever you've documented for this little particular thing that you like to skip from beginning to end right away is the best way of doing it. Perhaps you need to tweak it, but really you need to get to this place where in your head it's the best it could possibly be. And the hard part here, and this may be your problem, is getting it down on paper. That is boring, okay? But doing it You know how you've heard from a lot of different sources, writing things down does magical things in your head, and you need to do that. So the next time I have to ask you, maybe don't answer the question, but did you write down this process or not? And if you haven't, you need to, because I'm telling you, if you're reinventing the process depending on your mood or the situation at the moment, that is not a good thing. So I'll tell you, it's almost like, so I'll design the system. So I'll take an example, like a sales process that I'll put down in a CRM. And I've looked at how there was one team that was using a spreadsheet. Another team was using a different spreadsheet. And then I'm like, oh my God, if everybody aligns all this information into a CRM, then everybody will end up having the right information, make the organization more intelligent, more scalable. It all makes sense. And this is the type of things I love to do. So I design the process and then I do video trainings for people because I hate writing it down. And now I think you just caught me red handed because (laughs) the answer to your question is no, I didn't take the time to write it down because like you said, it's so boring. And then sometimes, for example, I'll get an email from somebody that's a lead. And instead of saying, okay, I need to go in the system, log the interaction, then I just reply to the email quickly and then I'll skip a step because I'll be like on my mobile phone. Then I have to backtrack and go do the log as I did on the process, but I don't even have the documentation. And what I've realized is when I do that, then information gets messy. Then I don't have full visibility on the lead that I was following up and I waste a lot of time trying to backtrack that information. So I feel the pain. (laughs) So here's something. Occam's law is my favorite rule of the whole world. The simplest solution is the best solution. So here I go from this really high-tech call center that I have. And you wouldn't believe what we're doing with the software and how esoteric it can get in automating, delegating, and deleting. But you know what I do? I ruthlessly carry around a spiral ring notebook. Because the most magical tool there is is a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper. And so while you're talking to somebody or getting these ideas, scratch it down, scratch it down, scratch it down. And honest to God, I use a to-do list. It's actually incorporated, and I kind of created it myself into my inbox. My tasks are in my inbox. I have calls to return, but I have tasks, and they carry over from day to day, of course, and I can label them and so forth. How can you, without recording a video, get everything down very, very quickly with a little spiral notebook (laughs) okay and a pencil i go page by page and i cross things out as they're done and diana and i my wife and i go back and forth from our house in bend oregon to stearns kentucky where we have our second house we spend two or three months in each place and we actually have a to-do list that is always in progress for the bend house and then for the stearns house And I was just looking at it again this morning of things that need to be done at each house. Ruthlessly take notes, 
but don't run your life with the notes. You've got to automate, delegate, delete, do your videos and so forth. But if you've got stuff floating all around, you've got to get it together in at least one place. And the easiest thing to do, despite all the technical marvels we can carry around in our pocket, is a piece of paper and a pen. Mm. And being that I'm somebody who loves all this technology, and I always feel like the solution to my problem is getting the newest technology that makes my problem obsolete, but then involves a lot more training, a lot more application, getting people onboarded, which creates new problems. And so I've witnessed that, and I'm trying to learn my best to get into a place where I can design these systems that actually start serving us. And this is kind of some anxiety that I feel every time I go towards a systems kind of design thinking space here and working the system is that I'm always trying to design the perfect system. And if it's not super perfect, then I kind of give up on it. How do I, how do I deal with that? You know what we say? Creating the machine is a messy thing. That's another phrase all my people and I carry around. Creating the machine is messy. And it's not going to be anything close to what you end up with. But you got to start with that, right? And a lot of times it's on a piece of paper and you're putting arrows on it and so forth. And then you go to your technology. And you were talking a minute ago about, well, we did this spreadsheet this way and this guy does it the same way over here and this and that. You have to involve your people in the creation of the machine. Otherwise, you're the military. And the only reason the military works is because if you don't follow directions, you get shot <laughs> or thrown out. And you have to go about creating your new system and involving the people who are going to use the system in the creation of the system. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll come up with an idea and I'll write it down. One, two, three, four. What do you think we do this, this, and this? And I'll send it to my CEO and my CFO. And I'll say, I had this idea. What do you think? And they say, yeah, I would do this this way and I would do this. And then I go back and finish it up. And then we actually implement it. If we all three of us, for instance, in this particular system agree that it's worth trying and we all know and we don't have to talk about it every time, but we all know we're willing to tweak it in a moment's notice, and that tweak will happen instantly as long as the other two people in the three-person squad agree. You can't get bogged down in committees in making changes, which is a problem with any bureaucracy. Don't get me started on the government, <laughs> but if you're in a small firm and you're a manager or if you're in a big firm and you're working with the other offices within the firm, you've got to be fast and flexible and things have to happen quickly or your people get demoralized. And you got to keep these wheels spinning full speed. You can't have spin a wheel in your head and then have it sit on somebody's desk for a week. This is not good. And I know Vision does not do things that way. I understand you guys move and morph all the time. I know you do. And there's a few companies out there that do that, but most don't. Most, the brother-in-law is holding things up or whatever, and the wheels aren't spinning as quickly as possible. And what the manager's job is, what the owner of the company's job is to do is keep all the wheels spinning all the time as quickly as they can, or you're going to fall behind. So you've got to have this fluidity and you cannot be held up by a committee or somebody who just can't get the job done. You got to get another person. So I love that. I want to recap a bit of the things we discussed so far, because in essence, you're saying, okay, if I'm transitioning the systems, I basically find the most dysfunctional one. And then I start saying, okay, how do I solve the issues of that particular system? And one of the mistakes that I've made is I've tried really hard to just find the perfect system. And the other mistake that I would have made is that I kind of spearheaded it like the military where I just force it upon everybody else 
and then there's a bunch of backlash, no adoption, and then the solution fails. So I'm kind of getting myself schooled really strongly. If you haven't noticed people listening that I'm getting a good reminder of how does it go with work the system. So now what I'm saying is we need to actually involve the people that are all impacted by the system all align on what are the particular things that need to be done in that system so that it starts working more predictably by writing it down. And starting with putting it on paper is your most effective way to get started, not get bogged down by any kind of technology. No, just put it down on paper, map it out as much as possible, and then actually see that it's not going to get to a perfect state. The process will be a messy process, but you start aligning everybody and don't get bogged down by the bureaucracy. Get a small committee of people that want to move this forward, get it properly documented, and then you at least have a version one to get started. Make sure people are applying what was documented before you start making any changes and have the flexibility to make any updates to those changes as they come so that everybody stays aligned. So you start saving time, saving money, and really being more effective. That was a beautiful narrative of everything we've been talking about. Good for you, Jason. (laughs) Well, you've also already mentioned something about Mindvalley that I want to bring up, which is Uh we innovate really fast. And I know there's people listening here saying, you know what? I can't document the process because we innovate so fast, it's going to be outdated so quickly. And I face that pressure myself. There's times that I'm like, I can't even document this because we're going to out-innovate this. It's going to be a waste of my time. You have to. There's no big company out there that isn't documented. And I'm not talking about carrying around a notebook and see what to do next. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting a process. And remember, systems operate over time. First this happens, then this happens, then this happens. We all are victims of time or or take pleasure in time. Things happen, so you can go first, second, third, fourth. Well, all your people need to know what those steps are. Or you're tripping over each other. You got to take the time to get at least some rudimentary documentation down. And yes, it will change. Of course, it will change. But if you got somebody answering the phone this way and somebody else answering it that way, that's just sloppy. And you have to have the discipline and the thread that's gone through our conversation so far, Jason. This is the thread is slow down, take a deep breath, and prepare. Otherwise, what you just described a minute ago is, you know, you have kickback and nobody wants to do it and this and that. All your time was wasted anyway, and you look foolish, and you could have been doing some other things (laughs) instead. So take the time to carry around the notebook and write down the steps and then share those steps with the people you have and say, you know what I say to them? I say, here are the steps I think we should do for this such and such system. Will you please punch holes in it. Will you please punch holes in it? Tell me where I'm going wrong. People love that. The people who work for me love that. Punch holes in it, Andy. I'll say to my CEO, punch holes in it. She will, or she'll add to it. Or the one I just sent her, she said, actually, it was perfect. And I know she went through it. She spreadsheeted it and everything. And I got one of those rare times back where she didn't have anything to add. And that doesn't happen very often, but you've got to have your people involved. And the only way you can let them know what's going on really in a concrete way is not a conversation. It's a conversation and then documentation and then more conversation. This is where the time needs to be spent. And I'll tell you, Vision is really good at this. I think it's subconscious before I ever came along, but he understands how processes and systems work, and it's automate, delegate, delete. And he may have other words that he uses, but his brilliant company is a process of a man who totally understands that without me having to tell him. (laughs) And there are people out there who get this, but most people don't. 
When I joined Mindvalley, which was about six years ago, this was a time where we were doing product launches in various different ways all the time. And it's true, Vision and the team in the marketing side came together and said, we need to change that. There's so much waste. And we said, we need to build what we would call the straight line. And when we did that, we basically started doing all of our launches the exact same way and documenting exact everything about how it gets done. And I was one of the first launch managers to be involved in this process. And the first ones, they were documented, but basic. And that was okay. And then we started replicating and then innovating and then adding and then building on and then getting more data and then adding. And what that created in effect is for anybody listening who's ever watched what we call a Mindvalley Masterclass is in essence the evolution of what was a internet marketing based product launch into a branded listening experience that has leveled up far beyond what we could have ever expected as we were always reinventing a new process without ever building on the sophistication of our delivery. And when we started implementing what was a straight line, at the beginning, there was a lot of doubt and we had a lot of resistance. And as we kept hammering the beat and building this habit and having that discipline to stick it to the straight line, you got to document it. If it's not documented, you're not doing it. And I have to give a bit of a nudge to one of my good friends, Eric Strauss, who was our COO at the time, who was really there beating the drum with us. It has allowed us to evolve where Mindvalley, when I started, was a tenth of the size that it is now. And a lot of this came from the liberation and the increase in revenue, increase in profits that came from working the system. And so... Sam, I want you to elaborate more on these three things you talked about that you can do within a system that allows you to free up the time. What were those three elements again? Automate, delegate, delete. Automate, delegate, delete. If you can automate it, automate. If you can't automate it, maybe you can delegate it. Maybe you have to do it yourself. You have to do these interviews yourself, but you have an assistant and all the peripheral things that can be done by somebody else, this allows Jason to put his whole heart and soul into every single interview without being bogged down with the minutia. Maybe there are some things out there that need to be deleted. And as we were talking earlier, deletion is automate, delegate, delete. Delete is the most satisfying. <laughs> why am I doing this anymore? Why am I keeping these records? For what reason? Why, why am I doing this anymore? If you can delete the things that are dragging you down, it's awesome. But automate, delegate. Now, nobody else can do what you're doing, Jason, in these interviews. Nobody else. You're the artist. You're the creator. And I'm sure Vision knows exactly what only he can do. But all the peripheral stuff, he's automated, delegated, and deleted to good people. Yeah. And I think for anybody listening, you need to kind of get clear on what is it that one thing that you know you do. And that's kind of the core skill set that I would seem to want to nurture over the long term. And it seems to always boil down to these ideas around creativity and leadership, kind of overseeing of this process and making sure that it's being executed effectively. I wanted to debunk a big myth that some people listening to this are like, oh my God, okay, here's what you're telling me to do. You're telling me to document everything that I do for my work and then have it automated, delegated or deleted, which in fact means that I will be completely replaced or replaceable in a much easier way now that everybody knows everything that I do. That sounds scary to me. Well, actually you're right. The person in question will be replaced because they're going to move up the ladder. And whatever that person was doing before, somebody else will replace them. But that's how you climb the ladder. 
you find a way for your boss, the owner of the company, maybe you're the owner of the company, but let's just say you're a manager within somebody else's company. And once you start making things a whole lot better, you go up the chain of command and you make more money and you get more responsibility. But if you're wondering, well, I've got, I've got this job and I'm making, you know, $40,000 a year and I don't want to lose it. No, the thought is, how can I make 80000 <laughs> How can I make 200000 And so in a sense, it's correct. You will be eliminating some of your tasks, but I guarantee you, you'll be going up the ladder if you can pull that off. I feel like a good example of this is just like you're building barriers against your own growth if you're trying to protect the current job that you're doing. Yes. And so, okay, now I really love this because you're talking about automation, delegation, deletion. We talked about how to divide everything up into system, document these systems, work with the people impacted in these systems to make sure that you're building something that can be replicable, scalable, more efficiently. I think humans find themselves being the biggest source of all the mistakes or the only source of all the mistakes that ever happened because the system wasn't followed. How do you comment on that? life happens and bad things happen, right? So I can sit here and I, you know, Diana and I have plenty of money. We've got a wonderful lifestyle. I work an hour a month, but tragedy could happen at any time. But the everyday tragedies that used to be a result of us not paying attention to the details properly don't happen anymore. So I like to say 90% of the bad things that used to happen to me don't happen anymore. You can reduce the bad things that are going to happen to you by 90% if you follow these strictures and get your life in order. So we just, we're upgrading our alarm system on this house. Don't ever try to break into my house. <laughs> Believe me, we've got everything except machine gun turret on the top. But we're always preparing for bad times ahead. Okay, we got our little hound dog back from the vet. It was $423 yesterday. They brushed his teeth. He got his vaccinations. They tested him for some things. They cut his nails. We do the maintenance ruthlessly, and it's the same on our Audi. We go in every 10,000 miles and just do it. Okay, it's 700 bucks. Fine. Just do it. And then we don't have problems with our car. We don't have problems with our dog. Nobody is going to break into this house or the one in Oregon when we're gone. That won't happen because of the cameras and the alerts and all the things that will happen. So you spend your day preparing for bad things that will never happen because you were prepared. <laughs> but when the bad things happen, you're robust you're vibrant, you're strong, and you can roll with the punches. If you have bad things happening to you all day long in your relationships and work and this and that, life gets tedious and hard. And I think once you start driving this into systems, and I love how it's actually super applicable in the personal life as well. Well, you can't control what other people do. I mean, families are horrible sometimes, you know? You can't just divorce your sister. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a sister, so I can use that example. But you can't stop people from hammering on you even when you don't deserve it. But you can be ready for it. I do some politics, and believe me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Throw it at me, man. I got all the answers. And so you can be prepared, and you can set your life up so that the natural bad things that happen, you can handle. Love it. I wanted to ask you one more thing, Sam, before we close this off, which was about as people are looking at that one key element, which might be automate. 
And today there's a lot of technology that's moving super fast. And like I mentioned earlier, I am someone that loves the new technology for the automation piece. Do you have any kind of trends you're noticing, suggested tools that people should be aware of as they're looking to do this process of work, the system that you find is in the marketplace today that people should be aware of? You know, we keep it really simple, Jason. We don't get caught up in the very, very newest technology. Believe me, our platform is <laughs> space age. It really is, and we keep up with the updates. But you can't beat you can't beat Excel and you can't beat Word and you can't beat a good calendar contact list. And we keep it all dirt simple. And remember I said earlier, my task list is in my inbox. I don't go to all these different softwares all day long. I keep it all in one place. So when we get off this call, I'll pull up my inbox and see what's there and I will take care of things and it's all in one place. So oddly enough, I don't have any sensational software suggestions. But let me take a minute here, Jason, to give our listeners some resources, okay? First of all, you can go to workthesystem.com and you can download my book for free. It's a very long tail thing that we do. And so we give the book away for free online, or you can buy it at Amazon and so forth. It's Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Making a More and Working Less. It's 11 years old. That has everything we've talked about here today and some really good examples of how to speed things along and how to make things better and better and better. And, and by the way, you had brought it up and you were talking. And let me put a label on this. In the label itself, we'll tell you what it is. But consistent system improvement. And so when you start with a process, believe me, it won't be the same in a week, probably. And you're constantly making it better and better and better. And one day, maybe you'll just eliminate it. Constant system improvement. And we talk about that a lot in the book. The book is written in a way that people can understand it. It's been downloaded, I don't know, 2 million times or something like that. And I have another book for people who are not in business, and you can find that there. Now, Josh Fonger is a guy I've been working with for eight years. He's much younger than I am, but he is an advocate of the system's mindset like you. And you're much younger than me too, by the way. <laughs> but Josh is running our consulting and we do coaching. It's on the website and we go do sites. We go on sites sometimes, but mostly it's the coaching. And now we're doing a process where you can become certified in the work the system method. That's what we call it. Odd name, work the system method, and you can go out and teach it yourself. And that's a really good way to learn the system is to go through Josh's program with that. They're all minimal cost. You can find it all on the work the system website, workthesystem.com. Love it, Sam. Thank you so much for your time with us. And as you see, a lot of the things that need to be done to work the system have a lot less to do with the system and the technology, which is what I would typically go by default, but in error, there's a lot of discipline and things that I need to put in place to work out the kinks within the system by documenting what I do, getting input from the people involved, making sure that you're continuously improving the system is a key element here. Don't strive for the perfection, work towards the improvement and the continuous documentation documentation, doing what you documented, standardizing everything you're doing, looking at things in each and their independent systems. And you'll notice that the world isn't as much of a chaos as you thought it was at the beginning, but actually it is all predictable. It is all systems and you can work those systems brilliantly to give yourself more freedom, more impact, 
grow your career. And if you are working with a team that is defending their own position and don't want to play along with the documentation because they fear losing their role, make sure to encourage them that they're preventing themselves from growing within the organization and growing their skills. Because nobody wants someone that can answer more emails, but if someone that can design a system that takes away the problem of emails of a certain type is much more valuable and they can play that role. Sam, thank you so much for your time. It was a ton of fun to talk with you and share these ideas. And for everybody listening, workthesystem.com. You can grab a free copy of the book, learn more about Sam and his programs and his consulting, and it will help you so much. Thank you, Sam, everybody for listening. Thank you, Jason. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to our interview with Sam Carpenter. What a powerful way to start looking at things differently by identifying all these systems and really working them in a way that they are documented. And as you notice, I still have a lot to learn and that's okay. Continuous improvement was the key message here. As you document, you apply and you improve while working with everybody within your team. If you like this idea and more ideas from superhumans at work, be sure to leave us a review about what particular thing you like from this interview, as well as send a rating to us to let us know how you like this so we can continue to bring these to you completely commercial free share with friends who need to hear this as well and this has been your host jason campbell thanks for listening and until next time my name is jason campbell and this is superhumans at work a mind valley podcast